Hi everyone, how is it going? I have no idea where the year's flown by, honestly. So many things have happened this year for me that I'm really grateful for. Inside Other Words nominations that myself and the MAN platform, Mentoring Advocacy Network, has received. I'm also grateful for the TEDx talk that I've delivered on masculinity. Make sure you check it out. It will be a link in the caption of this episode. And last and not least, thank you for the fantastic feedback I'm receiving for the podcast from you and the Spotify Wrapped 2023. So drop me a line on Instagram on MAN underscore mentoring and let me know about your highlights. If you're new to the Mentality Podcast or have been listening for a while, don't forget to hit the follow button and drop a five-star rating if you're enjoying it. A quick update, we're approaching the end of the second season for Mentality Podcast. There's one last exciting episode coming up in Jan and then I'll take a short break to plan and strategize for the third season. Let's talk about today's episode and here's some context for it. In October, I went on my second XCC, that's Extreme Character Challenge, and this was in Wales. And it was indeed an adventure. Many of us didn't know what to expect. The weather was wild, but the landscape was beautiful. And also, I met some great people on this trip. So for this episode, I decided to invite James Ray, who leads the XCC team, to chat about thriving through nature's adventures where we're going to dive into masculinity and leadership in the great outdoors. We're going to explore the intersection of embracing discomfort and finding community in the wilderness that redefines masculinity. And here's my conversation with James. This is Mentality Podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about healthy masculinities. I'm your host, Lao Jokan, and throughout this podcast, we'll hear from a wide range of guests about the views and experiences of manhood. We'll look at the bits we should celebrate, but also its messy parts, while having a bit of a laugh. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mentality Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the one and only James Ray, who's the CEO of XCC and Leadership and Development Consultant, Delivery Coaching, Training and Person Development, and he's also a priest in the Church of England. And what I think is unique about James and why I wanted to have this conversation, not only that I've been at quite a few XCCs and I love the way he leads the adventure, the challenge for us men, but that he's leading large groups of, as I said, of people on extreme wilderness adventures and uses these different environments and experiences to help create breakthroughs in people's characters. All I can say is, hi, James, great to have you on the podcast. And I'm just looking forward to have this conversation around embracing discomfort and finding community in wilderness. Hi, Lau. Thanks for having me, and hello, everyone. Tell us a bit more about XCC, and again, is there anything that you want to share about yourself and the work you're doing with men? Well, the XCC stands for the Extreme Character Challenge, and it's a wilderness adventure for men, uh, four days outside, totally disconnected from the phone, the wallet, the keys, the passport, the credit card, all the things that we like to make sure our lives go in one direction or are certainly in our direction, well, we remove all those because often discomfort is good for us. It's one of those sad tragedies, isn't it, that we learn a lot through suffering. And although we don't particularly want to make people suffer for fun, we want guys to find that resilience that they have within them through hardship, through an extreme environment. 
And we, again, going outside, we don't really need to do very much to create that environment. It's already wild. And I think a lot of us will spend most of our time inside because we're hiding from that wild side. We're hiding from the extreme wilderness. We're hiding from the discomfort of a challenge. You know, right now, most people, I imagine, certainly in the Western world, in the UK, your fridge will have some food in. Your bank account will have some money. Maybe you want more, but it would have some money. You maybe are likely to have more than one pair of shoes or more than one jacket for when it gets cold. So all of these things are designed for when I get cold, I put on an extra jacket. When I'm hungry, I go to the fridge and eat. When I want to buy something, I go in my bank and get the money. But the reality is all those things that they start to confuse me as a human being away from what's actually better for me, which is to endure something of the cold, to push through something of hunger, to not have everything I want immediately. And of course, I'm not saying that it's better to be hungry or better to be starving. No, 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 of course not. But in our lives, the reality is most of us have too much of what we want. And therefore, when we hit the struggle or the pressure of life, we don't know how to deal with it. We haven't built resilience in those moments. And so we specialize in taking men outside for that experience. The reason we take men only is because men have unique issues in this area. Men often are the ones who struggle most to let go of control. If you go out into a town on a on a weekend evening, it'll be the men who will start to be the aggressors generally in the situation. If you go and spend any time with the police force, it'll be the men who they're arresting every day. If you look in the news at crimes that are committed, largely it'll be men. Men populate prisons largely. And men are also struggling with mental well-being. Their suicide rates amongst young men especially is ridiculously high. And men generally have problems to discuss these issues, to talk about why they're angry, to talk about why they are lonely or why they are sad. And so outside in the wild places, we can have those conversations too. So that's what I do. It's like a, an MOG for guys. It's like a life checkup, like when you take your car to the garage. It's a bit like one of those, but for your mind, your body and your soul. One thing that sticks out to me is the idea of privilege walk. Literally yesterday, I've done what was called a privilege walk and ask you a few questions. For example, did you grow up with both parents? You were one step ahead of most of people. Do you have food in your fridge? You one step forward. You grew up with more than 20 books and so on and so on. So I think that's one thing that is good. Being in wilderness makes you reflect and take stock of the positive things that you have in life. Also, not everybody had a head start. And is again, how do we use that? How do we maybe look at society and obviously look at structures and so on? But also I think now looking at the individual level that we can address is I, I agree that discomfort is a way of, let's say, if you press an orange, juice will come out of it, but you need that discomfort that pressed that to kind of get the juice out of it. Otherwise, the fruit will just stay and look nice and done, done its course. But if you want to get the juice out of it, you want to get the best out of it, you know, the pulp and so on. And that's what I enjoyed about XCC, that challenge that takes you and made me realize that the limitations that I thought I have about myself are actually much higher in the sense that I can take more than what I thought I, I would. What would you say are the benefits of being in a less controlled environment for men like in wilderness? And what do we gain from that? Well, I think you raised uh, lots of really interesting points there. Let's go right back to the start of this idea of privilege. I think you're right that if we actually reflect most people that we would know in most walks of life have some levels of privilege that we forget to recognize. And it's widely accepted that gratitude is one form of self-help, self-improvement, actually just being thankful. I also believe it's actually a very spiritual uh, idea to just be grateful 
for everything that comes our way. And there's huge amounts already today, wherever anybody is listening to this, you will have had things happen to you or for you that it's worth being grateful for. Even just the gratitude of seeing something beautiful or being able to look at something in nature, but also for most of us, we'll be living in relative peacetime. Not, of course, right now there's some turbulence, but the reality is most of us are relatively safe. And then beyond that, most of us have a small network of people who care for us. That's a huge thing. As you said already, there's that list which you go on and on, parents and books and whatever it is. But I think the, the thing for me is that actually then that gratitude of appreciating what you already had then, then helps you realize what they can then do. And you made that point as well, like the juice, when you squeeze it. For me, most humans, and I guarantee anybody listening to this, you are incredible. You're more brilliant than you realize. Both men and women, of course, but young and old, doesn't matter what you are like, you are incredible. You've got capacity and skill that you didn't know, but also you can achieve a huge amount more than you know or recognize of yourself. And I've seen this countless times. People who feel they're done, people who feel they're finished, people who feel they've had enough can find a different level of energy. And until you've been there, until you've felt that, until you've experienced that, it's often quite hard to convince people. But more than that, often we forget. We'll have guys who'll come on extreme character challenge who'd be in the military or in some kind of formal service who've forgotten what it's like to be disciplined and regimented, but also to push themselves. We'll have people who come who've been in prison, but also others who'll come who've been trapped on that kind of commuter train, driving it or going in and out of a big city to work, and who are forgetting how much they put in getting that job they wanted or getting that outcome they want. Guys who've, who've sat in prison cells saying, I need to discipline myself to get out of here. And the reality is as humans, we're lazy and we get lazy very quickly. And one of the things I think, uh, if you reflect on problems, is that we don't like to accept that about ourselves. And so actually accepting that the problem starts often with me, my attitude, but also my capacity to change, that starts to be a very powerful way of thinking. And then suddenly we can unlock so much more. There's a lady called Edith Eager. She wrote a fantastic book called The Choice. And in that book, she says that we all have the keys to our own freedom in our own pocket. But so often we wander around in our chains and our handcuffs and in our cage saying, poor me, poor me, how do I get out? And I think there's something, a lot of truth in that, that you have already the capacity to make a big difference in your life. And the things that are problems for you, you already have some idea of how to overcome them. The issue, the question is, do you want to do that? And are you prepared to change? Are you prepared to grow? And outside, when it's wild, when it's windy, and you don't want to get up or move. You don't want to go any further. The challenge is very real. Do I want to take another step towards a higher summit? Or do I want to move from this dry place to a wet place if it's raining or something? And do I want to be cold? Can I cope? But after those experiences, the feeling that I think you're reflecting a little bit loud, your, your own experiences, but the experience of thousands of men, we take 200 at a time, thousands a year, roughly, uh, something like that. And so there's a lot of guys out there who will say, wow, I did not know I could do that. But now my life is easier. My marriage is easier. My, my workplace problems are easier. My troubles in my mind are easier. And I know that if I have issues, I've got other people to call. I've got a support network of other men who've been in a similar place. And there's something very powerful about that. Yeah, it is this realization that I can do more than I thought so. We can do much more than sometimes we think and we can push ourselves. And when it comes to kind of discomfort or a cousin of discomfort pain, I remember when I was reading one of my favorite writers, Richard Rohr, a Catholic monk, who says that when we change, unfortunately, only 1% of us change because somebody cares for us or because we are loved. 
99% of us, of humans, we change because of pain, because we have to go through some suffering. I'm not thinking of the unwanted suffering of abuse and so on. I'm just thinking like the discomfort of change, the discomfort of, of going through some challenges. And that helps us to, in a way, to push forward and to realize that we need to drop some things because as I think by default as humans, we're rather self-centered. And I think it, it's needed that to a certain degree, to a certain stage of life. Like when you're growing up, you need to know the world is about you. But I think when we are adults, we need to learn to be able to let go and to achieve that sense of sacrifice on this point that a penny dropped a few years ago. The transition from being a boy to being a man is, as a boy, the world is about you. The world is about my parents are looking after me. I'm receiving care, education, and so on. But when I start to become an adult, I realize that maybe I should help my parents a bit more, or maybe I should give to charity, or maybe I should start to become less about me or my needs and about those around me. Speaking about a productive pain, going back to the analogy of an orange, that constructive pain that doesn't smash the orange, but actually nicely, gently squeezes out the juice so we can enjoy something out of it. Yeah, I think you're touching on some really powerful ideas. The one I want to pick up on specifically is this idea of growing up. Quite unfashionable to grow up, and especially we live in a world where everyone wants to be forever young. There's this idea of Peter Pan syndrome, the the, the lost boys who are forever young. The reality for for all of us is, and especially for men, is uh, we have to grow up at some point. It happens to everybody. But the reality of growing up is that you also need to take responsibility. And what you were saying there is really important that there's an immaturity in staying young and free and hey, I do whatever I want. It becomes selfish. There's a selfishness about a child who bursts into a room and just starts talking in a flood of tears and it doesn't matter what's happening. It's there, the center of the, their own world and the center of everything and everything must revolve around there. But I think what we're seeing a lot in our society is that people are carrying that on into adulthood saying, I want everything on my terms and in my way. And there's a, a simple psychological game you can play with that, which is that if you ask yourself, what if you were to get everything that you want for the rest of your life? Would you be happy? And of course, if you play that game initially, it sounds fantastic. You start to get the things that you can list and then you start to realize, yeah, amazing. But then you realize, of course, you never get sick because you don't want to be sick. Of course, you never get old because you don't want to get old. Nothing ever goes wrong for you. You get everything you want. But what happens around you, I think psychologically, is imagine what that person's like to be around. So imagine what happens uh, in that mindset. That person becomes aloof. They become distant. And actually, others around them would start to distance themselves because you think, hey, you're perfect. You have everything. Nothing bad has ever happened to you. You don't understand my life. Getting whatever you want is actually a rot that will eat people from the inside out and actually kill life. Because part of what we're trying to say, both of us are agreeing, that there's something around pain, suffering, but just not. let's just put it as not getting what you want all the time, not having it your way, that helps you and I to collaborate and say, well, actually, I need you and you need me. Mother Teresa, I think, once said, I can do things you cannot do. You can do things I cannot do. Together, we can do great things. And this is beauty of us both bringing our strength, but also bringing our weaknesses. The areas, the things I'm frightened about, maybe you're more courageous. So you could say, hey, be bold here, James. Don't worry. It'll be fine. And I can look back and say, thanks, Larry. You were with me in that moment. You were for me in that moment. And without you, I couldn't have done this. And so much of life is spent in, in that space. But I think what we are believing and beginning to believe is a lie of, no, I can be whatever I want to be and I don't need people's advice. I don't need wisdom of the ages. I don't need any morality that is handed down to me from people more experienced to me. And I, I think, quite frankly, it's a lie. It's utter nonsense. The best way I can raise my children 
is to teach them values and morals that, that multiple people believe and that will be healthy for them to grow up in a community where they fit and belong, not as the most standout players, but just as good, solid individuals. Let me put it another way. I don't know how many of your listeners, but I don't allow whether you can name your great, great grandparents, like two grandparents removed. I don't know the names of my great, great grandparents. I suspect unless your great, great grandparents were specifically or particularly monumentally famous, you might struggle as well. And I think it's, it's quite shocking to realize how quickly we'll be forgotten, even by our own generation, even by my own bloodline. My, my great, great grandchildren, they won't remember my name. And the reality then is that I need to have a life check in terms of how considerately brilliant I think I am. And actually start to think I'm just here as another human contributing to this beautiful thing called life, which is both painful and wonderful at the same time. And together with you and others around me who are living at this time, we're going to try and collaborate and to grow together, to learn together, to be fr- find freedom together, to find truth together. But ultimately, these things we find will be squandered by even our own children's children soon. And that's just the reality. You're on point when you mentioned that we are temporary. And I think there's a restlessness of us that we want to be slightly eternal by trying to achieve uh, from our career or families, which I think is good. I think it's important for us to try to leave a good dent in this world. But the reality, as you said, will be forgotten by our bloodline. I mean, I don't want to burst the bubble, but in my case, I know the name of my great-grandparents. My mom, she was very good at reminding me of our, our background. And I think this one interesting thing, it was surprised me to learn that Adam doesn't mean like the strong, the brave, you know, the first man in, in, in the Bible. It means the one who remembers. So the idea we need to remember who we are, our identity. Going back to the idea of nature and a less controlled environment, I think that there's massive potential in being in a place where we can't fully control. I'm not speaking about a place where you have no influence or no way to protect or engage with it, but a a place where if it starts to rain, you can't just run inside immediately. You can put some gloves on, but you can't switch on the heater. Some people asked me when I went to XTC, why do you want to repeat that? Because you went once, you know it's difficult. It's mindless. Like, why would you want to go again? doesn't make any sense. And my question, James, even if you come for the first time, why would somebody want to put themselves in discomfort and try to challenge themselves just to see what will happen? Setting a really interesting conundrum there. The reality, as I see it, is this. If you ask me, James, why don't you uh, read a new book? But before you read it, hey, make sure you've contributed to all the chapters and you know the theme already, you know what's going to be in the chapters and you know what the outcome is. Suddenly I make that book very boring for me. Oh, James, let's watch a new film. But before we watch it, let's just make sure we know exactly what's going to happen at the end and exactly the process. And that line of thinking for me is as crazy as somebody who says, well, why would you do something to yourself that you don't want to happen? It suggests that I know what's best for me. And let me be upfront. I'm 43 years old. I lived a bit. I've got an adopted son and two other children, married a long time. I don't know what's best for me. I really don't. I, I think I know what I like. But I'm so surprised so often by things I thought I wouldn't like that actually I do like, or things I think are going to be amazing that turn out to be average. I'm not an expert on me. I'm barely getting to know myself. I, I know a little bit about me. And so this idea that I know what's best for me, I think is also corrupted. It comes from nonsense. It comes from nonsense, no, no logic. Because the logic is, if I know what's best for me, I, I should have lived already then. Surely I should have seen my life already. And then I can tell myself, okay, here's the plan. Let's go back. I'll, let's start again. I'll tell you how to do this well. But because we're living life forward, there's no possible way I know what's happening to me tomorrow. I have an idea, but I have no certainty. 
And that's, again, where I think we have to lean into the old ways, what I would call the ancient paths. But nature as well, nature herself is this beautiful teacher. You were saying earlier about the rain. It's not that I need to get away from the rain because it's going to kill me. I want to get away because I hate discomfort, but that's telling me something about me. It's telling me that I can't live life on somebody else's terms. I have to have it my way. And actually a bit of rain, a bit of cold is good for me in many ways. But more than that, I think there's something ancient about nature that's constant. We're having this conversation about humanity and humans being at the center of everything. Actually, what if we're just a part of this beautiful expression? There's a writer called Henry Nouwen, and he said that God's first language of communication is nature, it's creation. And so if I want to understand, if you're listening to this and you think, I don't even know if there is a God, go and stand outside for a bit and keep asking the same question. Go at different times of the day, go to different beautiful places that are untouched by humans and just go and look at something. You could actually pick up a flower or a blade of grass. You could pick up a leaf right now and, and, and find the same experience. These things are beautiful, powerful, and full of mystery. And that's really good for us. On the point of knowing yourself, I see what you mean is that it's a continuous journey that we learn to know about ourselves. And even as you say, like you can be a full adult man and still feel that you need to know to explore yourself more, regardless when it comes to, yes, there might be certain things you like or dislike, but this also reminds you of the Aristotle's famous quote, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. So knowing how you operate as a person and then work with that, it's a good place to start. Yeah, it's a whole life journey that we know ourselves and we can utilize that. And I think also that brings that finite element that we are here for a short period. Using that knowledge of knowing ourselves and link it to being in nature and being with other men, I see that element of community. And I think what pushes us to be in a place where we can't control and also with other men is that idea of being vulnerable to accept that, hey, I'm not comfortable at this moment. And then we can encourage each other. And I think that's where community, that's where friendships, that's where relationships are, are forged and, and bonding is happening. But of course, we don't have to always go in nature. I have to say, though, I've tried it once with some mates to go in a common, like in a big park, and try to emulate for a couple of hours XCC. Probably not to your surprise, it didn't work. But still, I'm thinking, is this something that we can do that to still challenge ourselves in the day-to-day -day life in a urban place like, you know, London, New York, Berlin, or you name it? Let's first start by looking at the assumptions that you and I are making. The first assumption that we think is good is that men should connect with other men. And I think that's something that is often overlooked by many men. We, we find ourselves lonely. So again, if you're a man listening to this, I don't know how many friends you've got, real buddies, not just mates who are like, yeah, we have a drink together or he's funny or I see him at work. But how many guys, if you had to right now, you could call who would come around and help you move house? It's that kind of guy who would, who would come around and help you pack boxes or move, lift things from one place to another. Who would put themselves out for you? If you had to say now, I need a hundred pounds or a hundred dollars, whatever it is, who would give it to you straight away without saying, right, sign here and I need that back tomorrow and that kind of thing. Who would lend you their car, just drop the keys in your hands? These are the kind of measures of a trusting, healthy friendship. Of course, it's a pretty shallow list there, but I could go on. But the reality is that I'm trying to point to is that we actually need male friendships. Often we lean on women for that emotional side of friendship. We might have some guys we can play sport with or we can banter with or we watch sport, we engage with or whatever it is in one way. But we often leave the emotional side to women. How many men 
is it their wives or their partners who talk about their sickness of a, of a parent or something? You know, I had a situation once. I went to a pub with a guy to chat because I knew his mum had cancer and he didn't tell me the whole of the time we were together. And so I, in the end, I just said to him, look, I, my wife has told me because your wife has told her that your mum's got cancer. How are you doing? And then he sort of opened up and, and became quite emotional. And, but it was crazy that we were about to go. If I hadn't bothered to push it, we were about to go home. He didn't want to tell me one of the most important things in his life because he didn't have the words. So I think the first thing we're assuming is that guys think it's good. Well, I would say it is good, but it's hard. And that's why it doesn't always work in the park. There's several reasons, but one I would say is that it has to be real. And so if the environment feels at all contrived, like fake, like made up, like forced, men tend to sniff that quite quickly and, and, and run back, which is why men are reluctant often to go to a doctor or to go to counseling. There's a great organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous out there for guys if you're struggling with narcotics or alcohol. You, you should be going to these spaces, but these are intimidating places for guys to walk in. And no matter how tough men are, they struggle with that. But the reality is that you have to first believe it's good for you. And then you've got to be the bravest one to make the first step. We always say in my family that the bravest person is the one who says sorry first. And I believe that true men are what true masculinity is. And I think that you can tell a, a good guy because he's a guy that can admit when he's wrong, say sorry, and ask for help. And if you think about those three things, they're very deep and powerful things. First, to admit when you're wrong takes self-awareness. Like you were saying before, I've got to know myself first. To admit when I'm wrong. To say sorry is to take responsibility for it and to recognize that I created a problem and it's my fault and I need to say sorry for that problem. And the third thing to ask for help is then to say, I don't trust myself to be any better next time. Too many people I know would say sorry, but it's like, yeah, I'll fix it. I'll sort it myself. I'll clean that up. But the reality is if you were the problem in the first place, why are you going to be the solution as well? These two things don't seem to make sense. Often when you've got a problem, you need help and help comes from outside of you usually. And so those three areas, I think, are ways that guys can connect, but it's hard because we'll do anything but deeply connect because I have to be vulnerable. And in being vulnerable, the risk, especially for men, is that you're going to take the net. You're going to mock me or you're going to exploit me when I'm open. And most of us will have had experience of that from those young ages, again, with that immaturity of a childlike brain that's selfish. I tell a friend something when I'm young and he laughs, so he says I'm weak because of this. And I don't want to be weak. Because hardwired into me is to be tough, to be strong, to be a protector. There's expectation from society that I should behave certain ways. And so I bed those things in into adulthood and shut down. And so when you go for your walk with your guys, I think the first thing I would do to re recommend if you're trying to be honest with your friendships is first ask them, do you want to have the kind of friendship where we don't talk about golf or cars, but we actually talk about what's going on inside us? Like, for example, how our marriages are going or how, how we're raising our kids or uh, how we're doing at work or where we feel like an imposter or where we're failing or things we're not good at. Do you want to have one of those relationships? I guarantee some guys will be like, no, thanks. No, I don't. That sounds intense. That sounds heavy. And in which case, it's like, fine, then let's just have the golf relationship. I, I recently went on a trip with some guys and, and it was one of those kind of trips. Pretty superficial. But that's how they wanted it. So you don't want to be that guy constantly like, hey, come on. Let's talk about our feelings, man. Because people are like, no, I, just, I want to have a break. I just want to play golf, whatever it is. But I think you will find guys who are like, yeah, do you know, that's the kind of friendship I want. And here's the first thing I want to tell you. I want to just tell you what is honestly really going on, not the wrapped up version. So let's say you're struggling with alcoholism or more likely it's going to be porn. So let's say you're watching porn at night when your partner's gone to bed or you're just on your own anyway watching porn or you go to the loo at work and you sit and watch porn and you don't like it. You feel like what you're watching is bad for you. You're not sure if the people you're watching are being exploited or what their story is. Are they even happy? But certainly 
for you. You're not happy. You might have a sister or a daughter and you're imagining like, hey, this is girls. I don't want to treat girls like this. So you say to the guys, look, what tends to happen is guys will say, you know, occasionally I look at some tiny sort of stuff that's a bit inappropriate sometimes. And other guys immediately be like, oh, don't worry, buddy. We all do that. It's kind of fine. And that's how those conversations tend to go. What I would advocate is, no, don't be that guy. Be the guy that says, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me tell you what's happening. I'm going on my phone. I'm going on a porn site. I'm turning the filters off. I'm sitting there and I'm watching porn and I'm getting into it. Uh, I'm acting and it's killing my, my mind. I'm hiding it from the people I love. I'm feeling I'm becoming secret and dirty in what I'm doing. And I'm embarrassed by it. But it also is making me start to think I want to do this stuff with other girls or other women or other people. And I'm trying to find those people. And that's not good for me. All this sort of stuff. That's the way you really open up. And when someone tries to belittle it, say, hey, hey, we all do that. Just say, hang on, let me finish. I don't want to be like that. But even if we all do it, I don't want to be that guy. I want to change. Will you guys help me change? And actually come up with some proper plans. Can you put in a filter? Will someone ask you? Will you ask me again? This is the kind of conversation I think it has to happen. And it's so awkward. So then the third thing I would say, I don't know how many I'm on now, but let's say it's three. Don't do it inside in a restaurant or a bar where everyone else is listening. Don't do it online where you're with the kids in the next room. Don't do it somewhere where with a group of multiple people you're never sure you're never going to meet again. But then you're never going to do it that way. It's going to be too much. That's lazy on your behalf, but also a bit crazy because you're telling some people some quite private things. You need to find a space with these guys, which is why outside is good because nobody can hear you when you're walking in a park. So you chose a park, I think that's good, but you know, don't do it on a bench. Do it when you're walking side by side. Men have good conversations next to each other because you're going on a journey. So in a car is a good place, on a train, but maybe people are listening. Uh, but certainly walking is cheap and free and quick and easy. And the reality is as you walk along, you're not looking at each other with that awkward stare where it's semi-romantic and semi-weird. There's that sense of, I'm not lovers here. We're, we're two guys trying to connect. And so we're walking in the same direction. But the physical act of walking that also helps you start to believe we are making progress. We've been around the park twice. And by the way, the second time, I didn't believe I would already be saying this stuff. I, I, I couldn't even imagine you would have given me such good advice. And hey, I can feel us transitioning. I can feel it moving. And so the physical act of walking or moving, cycling often, driving in a car, where guys can do things side by side, it's really good for us. So that'd be my kind of a tips and advice on how to do it. But now you've been on XCC. So in a way, you've seen, you've seen it at its best. And the reason we see a lot on XCC is that guys come to use that as a process to say, I want to get clean, I want to change, I want to refresh, I want to start again. We call it a reboot. Guys just want to kick. And so from that, you can springboard into saying, okay, you and I have done this before, let's do it again. Let's not let ourselves off the hook. We want to be the best we can be. Thank you for having this raw and transparent approach about how to address certain issues that all of us, as you say, or most men struggle with, but we never discuss. And that's the, the context for me, having this real talk on masculinity around things that we are challenged as men. And to your point about friendships, it's very interesting that one of the previous episodes was about friendships, male friendships, and how we actually men are longing for that. We are so lonely, but we rarely open up. And what I like about it is that similar advice was given by Kim and encouraged listeners to go and check out that episode as well, if they want to dwell specifically on male friendships. That means there's truth to it when two people haven't met each other are pointing towards the same direction. Going back to that point is being out in nature and being in, in a less controlled environment and having that movement, either if you go for a walk in a park with your friends, but we need that. We can address that issues in community and very rarely we can fix things by ourselves when it comes to the support we need. Personally, I believe we need community. We can't survive, even if you're an introverted person. Yeah, and I think one thing as well that I should say about nature is that nature has no boundaries. 
And so there's something again about the conversation that allows you outside to be a bit more wild. If you and I say, okay, we're going to sit and face each other for an hour at a restaurant, have a meal or something. By the time the coffee is served or whatever, how it finishes, that's the end of our chat, really. And it's like, oh, by the way, we keep a voice down. The waiter keeps coming up and interrupting. Outside, we just keep going. And so that's one wonderful thing about nature. But I also want to add something more, which I think I haven't emphasized enough, which is it can be really fun as well. You know, these conversations are serious. They're heartfelt and it's deep. But the reality is you can also tread the cow pat while you're walking along or trip up and fall over. You can get muddy. You can slide down a bank. There's just silly stuff that can happen to you while you're walking along. And that can make things a bit more lighthearted as well. You can stop walking to have a think while you're, while you're there. You can, you can get rained on while you're talking. Your sun can come out and get hot. All of this stuff can, can happen to you and around you. And a lot of it, the physical movement of the body moving is so good for you. But also, as I say, it's, it's supposed to be fun. Life isn't supposed to be some heavy sort of race that we have to run, exhaust ourselves, some marathon where at the end it's like, thank goodness I finished that and I just got to the end. I'm lucky to be alive. No, no, it's supposed to be enjoyable. It's supposed to be beautiful. It's got that. It's some elements where you're running, you're sprinting. Sometimes you're walking. Sometimes you're falling over. Sometimes you're dancing. And so there's a sense also like we can dance through our problems too. You and I can have a laugh. I could tell you about my problems and we can make it funny. Be like, ah, oh, mate, you should have seen me the other day. I'm an idiot. This is what I was doing. This can become funny, but also in that space, it's so private because it's just you and me and, and whoever, three or four guys, whatever. We're just together. It's just us. And then by the time you finish that process, you feel like we've left something there and we've moved on. So I just wanted to emphasize that side of the no boundaries and also the fun element too. I like to describe the type of fun you have at XCC is like fun type two. It's not funny necessarily when you're in it, but it's funny afterwards. And it's all unique connection that you have by experiencing that. And yeah, so going back to the point about like, for me, it's, I think I re- resonate very easily with your message. But at the same time, I like nature. I feel comfortable, but I'm thinking... What are the things that somebody who's less outgoing, somebody who doesn't like nature or to be outside anymore, how they can break that rhythm, that comfort they find within you know the home or within the city where things are rather controlled? And for those people who might, oh, I'm not stimulated, I'm not encouraged by an XCC, what can they do to to change or push themselves to go beyond their comfort zone? Well, I'm afraid I'm going to speak uh, what I think is truth here. I think. The reality is I don't see that human being existing. I see people who don't enjoy like camping or they're not comfortable outside because they don't know, they haven't been taught about it. But I cannot believe there's humans out there that they feel it's best for them, good for them to live their life inside, like wall to wall, room to room, aircon to aircon, car to house. Now I know there's some out there, by the way, if you give me a week off and some money, I will be going onto some luxury hotel, you know, sitting in comfort. I, I love comfort. But I think comfort slowly er- erodes us. And so let me put it differently. Again, I know there'll be some listeners already like, no, you're wrong. But let's just think about it. I think it's a bit like saying, I don't like fitness, therefore I'm not going to do exercise. That's not why we exercise. Most people, some people love it, right? I'm not one of those people. I don't actually love camping. I don't find it that fun. I don't even really find walking in the mountains that fun, to be frank. It's not what I do in my free time. But the reality is it's good for me. And I cannot deny it's good for me. And so I might not like vegetables, but I eat them. I might not like exercise, but I, I do it. I, I try and walk up the stairs rather than catch the escalator, whatever. Because the reality for my body, my mind, and my soul is it's better. And and that, that feeling you said earlier, that type two, whether you call it type two fun, or I would call it um, contentment rather than happiness. Happiness is, is like, are we were happy as you told me some joke and we smiled. Contentment is this deep joy that means I feel like singing inside even on a bad day. 
And I think for many of us, we don't have contentment. And a lot of that is to do with being trapped inside and this belief that somehow you can be one or two different people. I'm an indoor person or an outdoor person. It's nonsense. Yeah, there's some guys that still love living outside in the woods. That's fantastic. But the majority of us were born, created. It's deep inside our history. It's deep inside our psyche. If you believe in evolution, you've evolved. If you believe in creation, you've been created like it. It doesn't matter that all the arguments are the same, which is the outside is where our, is our natural habitat. And what we've done is build shelters away from it to, to hide, to basically get away when we want to, to either hide from the sun or to hide from the, the rain. And so going outside is good for us. Nonstop, do it. And so I would say to your guys there sitting like, no, it's not for me, do it. You tell me afterwards. I have never had thousands of guys, I, I can't count now how many thousands of guys, no one has ever written back to me and said, I wished I didn't go outside with you. I have the absolute opposite. I've got an email inbox, which is too full now. We, I've just forgotten the amount of amazing stories of people who say, thank you for dragging my butt outside. It was just what I needed. And so I would say that guy, you need to do it. I hear you. I'm also thinking at the same time, as we approach the end of the year, and in a way, the new year feels like a new adventure, a new, a new clean slate, we can just think things through. What would be one advice if you, you could give guys to challenge themselves, living their potential, the potential we spoke earlier? Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to give you two. The first one is this, it's the challenge. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So the first thing is you look to 2024, if you don't change something, if you don't do something different, you'll get what you've got last time. And my second bit of advice, what to change? I would say it is around this word responsibility. Look ahead at your year and ask yourself, what in my life can I take more responsibility for? My mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health, my well-being, my environment, my bed, my bedroom, my desk, my car, my family, my friendships, my relationships, my work challenges. If you look at the list of things in front of you and say, where and how can I take more responsibility for what's happening in these environments? You will have a fantastic year. I, I can almost guarantee it. Come and find me if you don't. Come and write about it if you don't. I'll repeat this podcast and say, I found a guy who took responsibility of everything and it all went terribly wrong and he hated it. No, you will find freedom in your responsibility and you will start to love what you're doing because you'll start to own it. And I think that's the big challenge. Before we go to the closing questions, I wanted to share two stories. One is on our last XCC when we went in October, I had one pot of noodles and I honestly, because I was hungry, I was wet, I was cold, I was really needing it. It was the best pot of instant noodles I've ever, ever had. I'm not joking. However, I had left one exact same pot of noodles when I got home because, you know, I didn't eat everything that I had to. And I said, oh, let me recreate that experience, like exact same pot of noodles. I put on hot water. I let it uh, simmer nicely. I, I sat on the sofa and it was totally opposite. I'm not saying there was a bad pot of noodles. It's just somewhere in between. But because of the environment where I was, my experience of the exact same thing was different. And the second point is that probably resonates with how I'm wired. And so I really love one movie that I saw a long time ago. I know if you've seen it, it's called Into the Wild. I feel me, it resonates with my story, the idea of family challenges, how the guy was trying to find his response and being in nature, being in Alaska and so on. And unfortunately, happens what it happens for people who haven't seen it. I don't want to drop any spoilers. How he was able to find that freedom into the wild, but also he realized that happiness is real only when shared. You need to share that happiness with somebody. You can't just go into the wild, have fun, 
but then be just by yourself. Yeah, my reflection on that is really just simple. It's something that you're touching we haven't talked about, which is also something good about coming home. I don't want to live outside in the wild. I can't do XCC for, for many days. Four days is enough. We're done. We've done the work. And there's something beautiful about that homecoming that you don't want to drag your pot noodle back. You want to come back and have different food, better food, because it's better available. But at the same time, to your point, that he's a wild guy. He goes out to find himself, to discover who he is, who he's made to be, who he's already acting as, what he needs to change. And then you come home and then you come back. And that's the beauty is to then to deploy it, to actually be the change, to be different. That's what's powerful. If we stay out there in the wild, then we're just a bunch of guys who just start to kind of have a little loving in our, in our little way in the mountains. That's weird. The reality of any good physical or, or, or spiritual healing is to come back and live free, live healed, to live well. And so that would be my encouragement. Come on XCC to change and then go back home and be different. I just want to ask you the questions I ask all my guests, and you kind of touch a bit upon some of them, but first is, what stereotypes about men do you dislike the most? I think the stereotypes I dislike are the ones that men have it all sorted and that life is fine for men just by being a man. I know men have privilege. I know that we've already had life our own way for a long time, but it's not easy for young men, especially these days. It's very confusing. And so one of the stereotypes I hate most about men is that, hey, you're a guy, so it's easy for you. It's fine. That's not true. And the second question is about what attributes do you associate with, you know, healthy or healthy view of masculinity? Again, you touched a bit about that, but is there anything else you want to share? Yeah, well, that's that point of admit when you're wrong, say sorry, ask for help. But the side beautiful for me about the attribute of all those things is some level of humility. Apparently, humility is not me thinking less of myself. It's me thinking of myself less. And that's nice. I, I think I'm pretty good at some stuff. I, I'm okay. I'm also bad at some other stuff. I don't need to think so much about myself though it's about us it's about you how can i what can i do for you together we could do great things i was told once when you meet somebody you should always ask three questions one what can i do for you two what can you do for me and three what can we do together these are beautiful questions that men could ask each other what can we do together what can i do for you not just me 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 that's a powerful tool to get ourselves out there and realize that we could give more it's better to give in a way than to receive James, it was really great talking to you. It was great to touch a bit on this topic of adventure, wilderness, masculinity in many ways. And it's great to see that again, this December, like last December, the topic of adventure is on the map for Mentality Podcast. So just to say thank you again for stopping by and having a conversation. Thanks so much for having me and keep up the work you're doing. It's really important that we have these conversations. If anybody's listening to anything here and you're interested or you're challenged, we've got a website, extremechallenge.com. We've got some events coming up at XEC in March and April and May, and again in October. But also, don't feel like you're in this alone. If you're a guy listening to this and you're starting to feel like this is resonating with me, reach out. Get in touch either with us. You can go on our website and you can contact us through info at 4muk.com or on our social media. But the reality is there'll be guys in your life you could reach out to and say, hey, I've listened to this. I want to change. I want to be different. Go and do it. Make 2024 your year where you do actually live the change. Thanks for listening to my chat with James on embracing discomfort and finding community in the wilderness. My key takeaway from this episode is that I need to stretch myself and push my boundaries if I want something different to happen in 2024. Have a great year where you launch yourself into uncharted territories and keep listening to Mentality Podcast.